0: they are not informed. They don't know what they're talking about, and they just need Jesus. They need to get born again. But every now and then, somebody say every now and then, every now and then you'll run into an informed Roman Catholic. Like they'll know something about their history. They'll know something about Roman Catholicism. Every now and then, every now and then you'll run into somebody like that. And one of the things that they love to bring up is they love to talk about the chain of apostolic tradition. They talk about this chain, these links, you know, give you this idea that one link upon another to another goes back to the apostles. But you know what? When you look at their church, their church looks nothing like the book of Acts. How in the world do you say you have a chain link going all the way back to the apostolic faith, yet when I look at your church services, it is as frozen as it can be? It is as cold and as dry as it can be. And I know sometimes they try to get really spiritual and they'll say, oh, you know, but we have communion. You know, we, we have the relics and they'll, they'll point to the crying statue somewhere or the blood coming out of the hands or a bridge that has a watermark. Oh, we still have signs and wonders. And honestly, I pity them. I don't mean this sarcastically. I want to be very serious. I pity them because that is not the apostolic faith. The apostolic faith is not covered with dead men's bones. The apostolic faith is not a whitewashed tomb. The apostolic faith is alive, it's spiritual. God is moving in signs and wonders. I would rather, listen to me, I would rather get this wrong. I know I'm not, but I'm just saying, I would rather get this wrong and go to heaven and God go, hey, I wasn't into signs and wonders and miracles. I wasn't into that. But hey, nice try. (laughs) Are you guys listening to me? Like, I would rather get to heaven and and God say to me, like, hey, you know, I, I, I stopped doing all of that stuff. But hey, at least you tried. At least you believed the book that I gave you. But how many know we're not wrong, we're right in Jesus' name? I mean, when we look to the scriptures, we get an obvious understanding that our God is alive. Our God is moving. Our God is doing something. I mean, what book do you want to go to? I mean, any one of these books we go to, we see that our God is doing the miraculous. Our God is speaking to people. Our God is foretelling the future. Our God is splitting red seas. And yet, it is not like the other religions, these great miraculous stories and interactions with people and God, is not shrouded in myth. You're supposed to read the book and actually think it's history. That's what separates us from Hinduism. Hinduism is the only other religion that can tell fantastical stories about their gods. I mean, they are amazing stories that are a little bit gross and silly at times, but boy, they can sure tell a story. I don't encourage you to read the Vedas or the most popular one, the Bhagavad Gita, about Hare Krishna or Krishna, but their stories are similar to ours, and many people believe that these come after our stories. And And that they're actually copying us. Even though Hinduism in some ways uh, is almost as old as Judaism and it's not quite as old. But uh, they have a lot of miracles. And I remember one time talking to a person who was a Hare Krishna following Hinduism. And he said, oh, you know, you guys have stories. You should read some of ours. And so I did. And I began to see how ridiculous many of them were. But I had to give him at least a little bit of credit. They have miracle stories. But you know what? When you read the stories of these gods and these goddesses upon the earth, it's shrouded in mythology. You know the moment you start reading about this, you know there's a problem. I I could just tell you one short myth here today. Somebody say it's a myth. So there was this God and his goddess wife doing what they do, getting along, loving their God life, whatever. And then all of a sudden, this woman, she starts looking to have an affair. This goddess, rather, looks to have an affair. And as she's looking around, she picks someone to have an affair with. And so she brings this person to her palace. It sounds like a telenova. Is that how you say soap opera? These God stories are like soap operas, right? And so she brings in this other God and I can't remember if he's a god or if he's a human, but you'll follow along with the story sure enough. So they start this affair, and then what happens is the other, her husband, the god husband comes home and catches him and cuts off his head, cuts off his head and says, you should have been messing around with my goddess wife. You don't know who I am. I'm going to show you who I am. And then the goddess wife, she feels so bad because it was her fault. She had provoked this affair. And then she talked in her God husband to at least res- resurrect him, you know, do, do something for him so that he can live a life. And out of his punishment, he said, okay, I'll resurrect him. But out of his punishment for the affair, I'm going to give him an elephant head. And now this dude has to walk around with an elephant head. Hence now the figure in Hinduism known as Ganesh. Does that sound like that's a real story in history? Does that sound like you can go to that place where this thing happened? Are you guys talking with me? I mean... This is the kind of stories you get from the religions that want to compete with Christianity. But when we go to the Bible, we hear about a Red Sea being parted. How many know there's still a Red Sea? You can go check out today. How many know that you can go and look at the nations that the Bible is dealing with? And sometimes it would seem easier for us to have made it up because guess what? People, both Christian and non-Christian, go to those sites to try to prove or disprove our religion. And right now there's a beautiful documentary on the Exodus, because this is one of our biggest stories in the Bible, and now it's getting proven further to be true through archaeology. So take a look at that. It's something that's been uniquely done just in our time. Why have I said all of that? Because the Bible wants you to have a supernatural worldview, but not be spooky, to not be out there with superstition and Marvel comic book kind of faith. The Bible wants you to believe in a real God that does real things in your life. And you're supposed to look at the testimonies of the Bible, the people's lives, and say, Lord, do it again. That's what you're supposed to do. You see, when you look at those Hindu scriptures, there's no way that we can do it again. You understand, we're not going over to somebody getting murdered and patching them up with an elephant today. But we can raise the dead like Jesus did. He said to raise the dead. We are to cleanse the lepers. And once again, even though I believe we're 100% right, and I'll show you that in the scripture, even if we were wrong, what do you have to lose? I mean, because you're not going to be selling holy water, are you? You're not going to start selling conferences to your healing ministry, are you? Or selling tickets to your conference. So what do you and I, with good hearts, good intentions, and a desire for God's glory, what do we have to lose for praying for the dead to raise? For the person in the wheelchair to come up out of the wheelchair Even in our second service when I was talking about this last week, there was someone in a walker, and I said, what do I have to lose to pray for that person to no longer be in a walker? If I do it with dignity and respect, what have I done? I've blessed them, have I not? At least they get to hear the prayer of someone who cares about them and wants to see them walk again. Is that a bad desire to want to see them walk again without the assistance of a cane or walker? Of course not. These are godly good desires. And no matter what faith tradition you come from, everybody believes that in heaven it's done. How many believe when you go to heaven you don't need a walker? How many know the blind see in heaven? How many know the death hear in heaven? But how many know the very first part of the Lord's prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's supposed to be what we're praying for. And so I understand that we can get discouraged because I look at praying for miracles and operating the spiritual gifts. I often look at it as a, a baseball batting average. And those who are familiar with batting averages, the the best you can get is a thousand. I don't know why they didn't use the hundred percent scale, but they use a thousand percent scale. So the best that you could be is a thousand. And if you're hitting three out of ten, you're going to be batting three hundred. Does everybody track with me on the batting average there? And the greatest batters of all time have been around three or four hundred. That means three out of four, uh, you know, three to four out of ten pitches they can hit, get on base, etc., now, I understand as Christians, we may be batting like that. Sometimes it may not feel like we see anybody get healed. Maybe one out of 10, we're only batting 100. Maybe even less than that. But what I'm asking you is, is it worth the one that does get healed to keep getting to the bat and swinging uh, to get there and do something for God? Is it worth it, yes or no? And how do you think we improve our batting average through, uh, you know, uh, through the miracles? By faith. And how do you increase your faith? By doing the things of God. You hear the word and then you put it into practice. So are you and I going to get better at seeing people healed in our lives by not praying for them or by praying for them? Amen. So that's why what do we have to lose I love what John Wimber said, a key leader of the charismatic movement that empowered believers across the country to believe that they could be used in spiritual gifts and his teachings are still being impactful today in people like my life and others. He said, I spell faith, R-I-S-K. What does that spell? Risk. That's what faith really looks like, isn't it? It's a risk to break from the norm and to pray for somebody. Because everybody can just throw out one of those well wish prayers. Well, I just hope you get better. I just hope things get No, but this kind of prayer is not one of those, is it? It's one of those prayers where you grab them by the hand and say, I believe you can walk in Jesus' name. Let's start walking. That takes risk. Because what if he doesn't walk? What if if he stumbles a little bit? And once again, the what ifs can go on and on and on and on. But isn't it worth it to be obedient to these things because of the one what if? What if he starts walking? What if he never needs that again? I thank God for people that take risks and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I remember hanging out with a a sister named Mama Janice in New Orleans. And there in New Orleans, she had a home for the uh, drug addicts, male and female. She brought them into the home. And most of the time, they don't do that because they they just keep these programs separated, men with men, women with women. But she felt like she was just called to open up her home. So she had a ministry out of her home to bring in the drug addicts, the alcoholics, those who needed a place of deliverance even And there's a story about her that she was with my college professors going out into the inner city to plan to do some ministry. And so she was with the best of the best, with the knowledge of the scriptures. She was with those who had been in ministry a lot longer than her, had titles greater than her. Somebody say, but God. (laughs) But she knew Jesus, okay? And while they are out there, there's a shooting that happens in the inner city. And this is the story that I heard from one of the professors that was there. When they got scared and wanted to start running from the shooting, she started looking for the victims. It was her instinct to go looking for the victims. (laughs) These professors are like, we need to get out of here. She's like, the shooting happened? Where are the victims? Are there any victims? And then when she saw one there laying bleeding out, she ran over to him and began to pray. And to this day, when that story is told, these professors give her the honor and the credit by God's grace that she was the one that was most bold. She was the one that was most courageous. And what we know from that story is that young man did recover. You see, she had the risk understanding of faith. She wasn't there waiting to see, is this college professor going to do it? Is this college professor going to give me permission She saw the need, and she knew her God, and she was willing to rush in and say, hey, I may go home to meet Jesus today too, but at least I'll go home believing he can do things upon this earth. I don't understand other than, I don't understand other than deception why any Christian would deny what I'm about ready to read to you right now. Other than there being a devil trying to lie and deceive us. I don't know why any good Christian wouldn't understand this. So just to make it fair, I always pick on the Catholics and the Baptists, you know, the non-Pentecostals. And I went to Baptist cemeteries. And what do I call those really seminaries, you know? But, I, you know, I went there. And so often I would hear them talk about how this was not relevant, what we're going to read. And my question always to them is where is the expiration date? Where is the expiration date on the gifts of the Spirit? As a matter of fact, some of the things you see in the world's largest Baptist churches, the things that they do, are nowhere found in here. And that doesn't mean that there are things that they're doing. That that doesn't mean those things are anti-biblical. It just means they're not biblical in nature. For example, Sunday school. How many know the Baptists are famous for Sunday school? And then we thank God for them. First Hammond Baptist runs those buses, brings those children to church. How many know what I'm talking about when I say Sunday school? It's been a Baptist thing for a long time. I thank God for Sunday school. How many know you don't find Sunday school in the Bible? It's not here. You find teaching the Word in the Bible. You find children learning the Word. But you don't find an outline for how to have Sunday school. And yet the Baptists all throughout history, and I once again, I want to say this with all honor and integrity, have been known for their Sunday schools. That's what you're known for. You're known for your Sunday schools. They're also known for a whole lot of other good things, and I could give you a lot more examples than that. But what I say to them is this. There is not an outline for Sunday school, but there's an outline for tongues and interpretation. There's an outline for prophecy. There's an outline for the miraculous power of God. How is it that you can go to the Bible and extract principles, which are good? Sunday school is an extraction and finding a principle to apply out of the scripture. How can you be so good at extracting principles, but you can't follow the one, two, three ABCs of the instruction manual? I mean, there are things that I have to extract out of the Bible like we do as well. You know, there's worship in the Bible, but there's no, there's no terminology for what a worship team is going to be. In the Old Testament, we know they had trumpets and, and horns and a lot of that, and lyres, and not a person, but the instrument. Are you tracking with me? But we don't know how to set it up and do it, especially in the New Testament. We extract that principle of praising and worshiping and every instrument unto God. But I can read clearly right here, not extracting a principle, but a step-by-step instruction of what I'm supposed to do with spiritual gifts. So why is it we have choirs, but there's none in the Bible? You can extract it out of heaven with the angels. You get what I'm saying? How many know Baptists are famous for choirs? And they have choirs and choir directors, and they have all of this energy they put into the choir. They have choir productions and, and special times for the choir to sing. Yet when is the one coming out laying hands on the sick? When is the one going to come out and prophesy? I just want us to go back to the Bible and follow what it says. I don't see an expiration date here, my friends. I believe all of us get to participate in this. This is the priesthood of the believer. This is what Acts chapter 2 is talking about in Joel chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit coming on sons and daughters, male and female, that you shall prophesy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How many want to be a part of the party? Amen. How many want to be spiritual? Amen. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. And I don't mean to put them down in any kind of way that's, that's to discour- discour- discourage them. I'm trying to encourage them. Go back to the manual. Let's read through here. And by the way, I have a sermon series where I went verse by verse through 12, 13 and 14. You can see it. It's a spirit-filled series. But, but tell me, is there anywhere here that there's an expiration date? And is there anywhere else in Scripture where this is no longer for us? Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be what? And what is most of the church world today about spiritual gifts? Uninformed. The very thing he tells us is these gifts of the spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Are you listening? I don't want you to be uninformed. I'm sorry. A little bit of the south came out there. I sometimes can't help myself. I would just wonder if a visitor came in and said, what is this white boy talking like that for? They don't know my story. You know what I'm saying? But you just got to love me for who I am. Amen. But don't be ignorant. You listen to me? Get informed. How are you going to come to this thing uninformed? How are you going to come to this thing ignorant, as the King James says? The Bible says that this is what he wants us to know about. Like I said, nothing wrong with choirs, nothing wrong with Sunday school, but about this. Don't be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. You see, I believe that one of the reasons why we don't see this in the in the American culture, Western culture as they call it, as we do overseas or in other cultures, is because we are now a part of a scientific revolution that has changed our understanding about supernatural things. And so instead of people understanding that there's a dark realm, an evil realm, and a, a realm of light, you know, how these worlds uh, operated in the different uh, d- pagan religions. We now don't believe there's any light. There's no darkness. Everything is as led unto you as you want to do it. But these people coming out of Roman paganism, they knew that there was power in the dark forces. How many know there's power in the evil world? That there's an evil world that has dark forces and powers. And so they understood that. They did ceremonies for that sake. And I think it's, as C.S. Lewis said, it's not like America. And Western culture has gotten away from the truth and the realities of these things. They are just now denying these things. And if you remember like the old saying, the, the devil's biggest lie is that he doesn't exist. That's what's really happening with them. And it's not that uh, mankind has quenched his thirst for spirituality. He's just uh, aimed it towards other things. If you remember, we talked about that. Now they're worshiping just the creation and they're just worshiping themselves. They've changed understanding a spiritual world, a higher power for this world and the temporary benefits that it brings. How many have seen that? But they're still searching after something. But back in the day, they used to go after those somethings for power for influence, to understand things. And yes, there were dark forces at play there. Now, verse 3, therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So this was a litmus test for them to understand how to go from being pagan to being Christian in their spiritual gifts. He wasn't telling them to deny spiritual gifts. And this is a whole nother discussion is how do people in the world operate in gifts? And now, some people are under the understanding that it's all demonic, and we too, we, we too would agree with them, but could it be that God deposits in us gifts that both the Holy Spirit and evil spirits tap into? Come on, somebody. What if the one that's doing the psychic cards and all of that that actually can at times prophesy or have words of wisdom and knowledge is actually a spiritual being gifted with that that has chosen the dark side instead of being with Christ? You get what I'm saying? So that, that's an open discussion. Some people think it's only demonic and it's not based in the gifts of the person, but it may be gifts that God gives us without reproach and that it's the Holy Spirit that activates these for his glory. Otherwise, we do have to give an explanation to how are there so many spiritual gifts even in the world of Satanism and New Age, etc. Now look at verse 4 and onward. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, in all of them, and in everyone, is the same God at work. Did anyone see the Trinity here? Did you? The Spirit, and then who do we have next? The Lord, and who do we believe that to be? Jesus, the Son, and then God as the, the Father. I'm going to show you that in just a little bit, how I believe that's a Trinitarian formula for understanding the gifts. And the workings and the administration of the Holy Spirit. But now let's look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit here. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, to how many ones? Each one. So, is anybody uh, left out of this? No, so to each one, are you in each one? So the first thing that we need to understand is that we may not have all the same gifts or we may not operate all of the gifts at the same time. That will be left to the Holy Spirit. But each one of us has access to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can use us in any of these gifts at any time. How many believe that? So to each one, so if you are in each one here, you have the opportunity to see the Holy Spirit manifest a gift through you for the common good. Here they come. There's going to be nine of them. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different ty- kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to how many ones? Each one just as he determines. Now, every now and then I'll meet one of my friends that's, you know, Baptist, and they'll say, Pastor, I can go here with you. I agree with this, but I don't believe everybody gets a spiritual gift. And I go, why is it everybody that doesn't have a spiritual gift thinks you're not supposed to have a spiritual gift? Why is it everybody in the Pentecostal church who has a gift believes everybody's supposed to have a gift? Do you think that's a coincidence? Think about it. Do you think it's a coincidence that the frozen, chosen place you go, where nobody has any of these gifts, their teaching is the gifts aren't for everybody? Do you think that's a coincidence? And in a place that's on fire, come on, loving Jesus, thought of heart, soul, mind, baptizing the Holy Spirit, is it any coincidence that in that place, people will tell you their gifts? People will take the whole life group over with just one of their gifts. Are you listening? The Lord has said to me, we need to do this, this, and this. Come on. But once again, I would rather have wildfire than no fire. Sometimes people come to our churches, you know, churches like this, and they complain. You know, Sister, so-and-so always got a word. Well, why are you jelly? Why don't you get a word? I would rather a sister, so-and-so say a word other than us just standing here looking at each other. If sister so-and-so is always the one with the word, why don't you get a word? Come on, somebody. I mean, this is the silliness of the complaints of the 21st century. Oh, sister so-and-so always has the word. Why, don't, why doesn't she just stop? No, why don't you just start? We don't, we'll listen to sister so-and-so every week if we have to. If this is sister so-and-so's platform to have a word and she's right with God, I'll listen to it every week. I'm not intimidated by that. Are you listening? I believe that God wants you to get one. So don't ask her to start. Uh, stop. You start. But you'll hear those complaints, and people try to minimize this in the church. They'll say, oh, oh, well, you know, this was when they didn't have the Bible, and the Bible is the perfect of 1 Corinthians 13, and when the perfect comes, you know, all of these things will be done away with. Well, if you just look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it says when these things will be done away with in verse 8, it also says knowledge will be done away with. Have you stopped learning since the Bible came? And then when in the world did the devil say, I'm going to give you guys a break? When when did the devil say, hey, I heard you got the Bible now, so I'm going to stop possessing people. You won't need the gift of discerning of spirits because you know it's it's not going to be my spirit doing it anymore. It's just, it's just gonna be insanity. That's the devil's lie. I do believe in mental insanity, but I also believe that there's something called demon possession. I also believe there's evil. And how many of you have seen it and cast it out in Jesus' name and you know it's real? I remember one time uh, a person came to our church and then they went home and they called up one of our leaders. We always have an elder on call to be there for the congregation. And he called up one of our leaders, and he said, I'm so mad at your church. I'm so mad at your church. And the leader said, what are you mad at the church for? Oh, since I've come to your church, I've been affected and influenced by a demon. All I'm hearing is this demon talk to me and all of this and that. I need deliverance right now. Come help me out. Your church did this to me. Your church gave me a spirit. Serious. that's what he said. So you can imagine the elder after that call said, well, this is one for pastor. We get pastor on the phone. Every now and then I get left out of them, problems get solved without me, praise God. And some of you act weird around me, acting like I always know your problems. I don't. Stop acting weird, amen. Some of you, I'm serious. I even had one person make a Facebook post about it, uh, a bad review. It said, oh, I know Pastor knew that I had a talk with Pastor Bertle because he started treating me different. No, I didn't. You're just weird. You imagined that. I don't know half your problems. I'm just shaking your hand, asking if you're living for Jesus because I ask everybody if they live for Jesus. Why are you so nervous? Why are you nervous? He asked me if I live for Jesus. He must know I call up Pastor Bertle. Anyways... So they're like, this one's for Pastor Joe. We're going to get him up here. And by the way, that's all I'm doing up here during the time. I'm letting these folks have fun during these altar times. I've been pastoring for over 20 years. I'll intervene at any time I sense the Lord give me a word for one of the ones they're praying for, or if something's out of hand or just, you know, they need my help. I'm right here. I got their back every time. Can I hear an amen? And every now and then you'll see me step out and do it. This is just a season. We're raising up leaders. We want to grow a church of 100,000, and I have to be here to oversee them to grow. If everybody came to pastor, and I appreciate, churches like that. But I, you know, I came to a church like that and literally the line, every service would be an hour long for pastor to touch you. And I just felt different. I wanted to let everyone get a taste of the ministry. Amen. So that's why I'm not always praying for you, giving words for you, but how many know what's happening up here through sons and daughters and each ones. So they get me on the phone and they say, man, you've got to hear this this brother says he got a demon from our church. And I said, oh no, the devil's a liar. I said, I know exactly what happened. His demon got provoked in the church. That's exactly what happened. He should have came up and got deliverance. Because he said he started hearing the voices before he left. He should have came right up here. Because I was trained in a deliverance ministry and that's all in this house, so don't think it's strange. Demons get provoked here. In the ministry that I was trained under Carlos and I asked him, I said, why is it in your services, demon manifest all the time. But in other services, I never see them manifest. He said because he knows, I, uh, the devil knows I'm coming after him. And I believe that. The devil will hide in services if he knows nobody's going to mess with them. But once he gets around some anointed folks, they start to manifest. That's why even when we go street witnessing, you guys shouldn't be surprised if you see people manifesting around us. Well, I came out with my church the other day and we picked up garbage and it wasn't like this. That's because the demons weren't afraid of your church picking up garbage. <laughs> When we come out here and say, in the name of Jesus, we break every bondage of Satan. You don't think that demon over there got provoked? You don't think that demon-possessed guy walking by us is going to get provoked? Ah, That's what they did with Jesus. All the time they're provoked with Jesus, right? Now, did Jesus make them have a demon? No, Jesus is bringing it out. Wherever light is, darkness can't be. My wife was new to this, so she wasn't wasn't ready for what was about about ready to happen there. She grew up in a good, safe Pentecostal church where it only happened in the back room every now and then, but she was about ready to see it face to face, so we get up in this man's house. I have another brother with me and my wife because we were just hanging out with this brother, so we, we break our plans. We come right over there, and we get into that man's house, and I say, brother, I'm just going to ask you to say this with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. I want, to, I want you to confess him as Lord, that he's the Lord of your life. And then after you do that, I'm going to make sure that your spiritual house is clean. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to cast out any evil spirits that are here. He couldn't even get out of his mouth, Jesus is Lord, but before he started ripping and tearing his arms and falling on the floor, all of that. And we stopped it in Jesus' name. Because a lot of times demons like to perform. And that, and that performance wants to scare other people. So that freaked my wife out. She's like, whoa, what just happened here? I haven't seen this before. He's flailing around. She knows there's power in the name of Jesus, but she's almost thinking it's going to be an arm wrestling match, you know? You got Jesus on one side, the devil on the other. Oh, it's close. It's close, friends. Oh, the devil got Jesus in a headlock. Oh, Jesus just turned it around. He's got him in a rear naked chokehold, folks. It's going to be right down to the wire, 30 seconds left in the fight. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Hold on. I think it's Jesus. Jesus threw a right hook, you know? What in the world? No, we said Satan, stop it in Jesus' name. You don't have power to rule him. You don't have power to throw him around. Jesus is king here now. And then we just took the man by the face because he's riling all over the place. And we said, in the name of Jesus, peace. And then I began to speak to this man to renounce his sins. I tried to do this in India through the interpreter, trying to get the person to renounce, renounce the sins, and everything's going crazy. And I just said, come out of him in Jesus' name. Now let's figure out what you did and how this happened, you know. But, but the typical way is, is to get them to renounce sins, to find peace in Jesus Christ through deliverance. But every now and then, you just got to get right past all that, cast them out, and then counsel them. Amen. But this time, I I held the man's face, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I want you to confess every sin, every door you've opened. Not every place can, uh, not every uh, demon possession has started with the door open, as we saw with the child affected by a spirit. Sometimes spirits of illness and and affliction come on people, but this kind of uh, a demon and these spirits came through sin and opened doors, and in just a few moments, tears streaming down his face, throwing up his hands, shouting hallelujah. He got free. He got delivered. Amen. Now, could you imagine me showing up to that place, me showing up to that place, and the moment I ask him to say, Jesus is Lord, I look to my wife, and I go, well, this doesn't happen anymore. And, uh, you know, uh, the Bible, uh, according to this Baptist preacher or whatever, he said that this is not supposed to happen anymore, so let's just bring our person to the mental health clinic now. Come on, somebody, we got to be, do better than that. I know that there's a need for mental health, and I know that some preachers have abused these things, and they've, they've made poor, uh, innocent people, you know, these people who have been downtrodden by the world, and they've tried to make it feel like it's their fault or there's something lacking in their faith when maybe it's a, uh, a mental illness or it's a, something that they're dealing with in the physical that hasn't yet been healed. But once again, I'm speaking to people here with good intentions. I'm speaking to you here who actually love people and have compassion on them. How many want to bring deliverance? How many also want to pray prayers of healing? That's, that's why early, in, in, in my early days, you know, I was talking to, you know, Carlson Akandi. I was with him, and, and sometimes somebody would come up sick, and he would just go, you know, somebody would say, um, you know, I have cancer or something. He would say, you spirit of cancer, you demonic spirit, you come out in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. So I, I asked him, I said, do you know if it's a spirit of cancer? Do you know if it's a demonic spirit? He said, no, I don't always discern, but I don't leave any chances, anything for chance. I'm rebuked the devil, and I'm praying for physical healing. How many know you can still rebuke the devil, and it's a good day? You haven't done nothing wrong, amen? As long as you don't do it half-heartedly outside of the name of Jesus, because the Bible says even angels have to use the name of Jesus. They cannot come lightly to these spirits, and the Bible says that there are some who mess with these spirits, but they don't come in the name of Jesus. They take them lightly, and they really have power over them then. That brings us into our discussions with Brother James and others with witchcraft. These spirits come as familiar spirits, as spirits that are friendly and nice and will tell them a lot of things about the world. And they mess with these spirits and they don't understand. They come to bring them in bondage. And it's not until they try to leave, just like an abusive spouse or husband or an abusive relationship, it's not until the people try to leave that these spirits really start to manifest their power of control. But how many want to pray for healing? How many want to pray for deliverance? How many want to be open for words? Amen. Here they are in their Trinitarian formula. Holy Spirit brings gifts. The Lord brings service. God brings workings. When we look at the, the way I would break it down, this is a helpful chart for those of you who are new to our church or who have never seen this before. This is something that, that I teach as it comes to the gifts and the manifestation of God's working in our lives. Remember, it started with the Spirit, the Lord being the Son, and God being the Father. These nine gifts are supposed to be in our lives. Not only that, but we have access to the five-fold ministry. How many believe you have access to this? Just think about it. In Matthew chapter 28, everyone is taught to go teach others. Think about that. Jesus teaches the disciples go teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So, where is at least one gift of the fivefold ministry we're all supposed to have? Teacher. You see, you nowhere see in the Bible any of these people acting as if they have something that's greater than you or I or greater than each other. Even Paul, that great apostle, says this is by the grace of God. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And that grace, as we learned today in our message, nothing by accident, karis is where we get the word karisma, gifts, grace come, uh, gifts come by the grace of God. So when you and I are looking even at the five-fold ministry list, we should say, am I in each one? Yes. So where does God want to use me? God, at least, I believe, wants to use every believer in the evangelist, pastor, and teacher role. But I also believe every believer can at different times be uh, given the gift of a prophet or an apostle, especially those who want to plant churches or be used by God to help guide a church. Now, in Romans chapter 12, it looks uh, we see a broader view. We see a broader view of the church. There's Gifts of service, encouragement, giving, leading, mercy. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, not repeating any of this list, adds two more that are unique, and I put them in this list now as well. So help and guidance. So in other words, in Romans, he lifts off these five, and then in a summary of the spiritual gifts, he lifts off help and guidance, which he had not included in this list. So I put it here with the service gifts, uh, rather the working gifts. And if you look at it, once again, remember we just read this in context, he says there's different gifts, but the same spirit, different kinds of service, but the same Lord, different kinds of workings, but the same God. How many remember reading that? So everybody remember reading that? Can I just show that to you again? It's right here. Everybody say, it's right there. Amen. Amen. So don't think I'm making it up. So that's how I see it. Now, once again, and I say this with a little bit of a chuckle, why is it when people give spiritual gifts in most churches, this is all they're trying to figure out what you're going to do? Well, you're going to serve. You're going to be in the parking lot ministry. You're going to be an encourager. You're going to help with the the ushering. You're going to be a part of the financial ministry, giving. You're going to be one of our Christmas volunteers to help raise money for the Christmas kids. Leading. You're going to lead a life group. How many have ever seen these kinds of gift tests or at least heard about them? Why Why is it they all about this side right here? What about the apostle test? What about the prophet test? I don't believe in these tests, by the way, but I'm just saying if you've given out, find your gift test. Find out where you can help in the church. You know, it would just be funny if somebody would go to one of those kind of seeker-sensitive churches and see one of these gifts tests and say, where's the one where I cast out devils? Where's the one where I speak in tongues and give uh, the interpretation of tongues? Oh, we don't do that here. Well, let me just show it to you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Do, do you not know, my brother and sister, that the same place you hear about those other gifts, you hear about the, the spiritual gifts, the mighty gifts as they may turn them, the signs and wonders gifts. They're in the same exact context of the other gifts. It would almost seem that God is teaching us that they're all supposed to be in our lives. It would almost seem, without deception or someone teaching you falsely, that we are supposed to see this in our church. Look at verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles. What about pastors? That's why I always say to my friends, miracles come before you, pastor. You know, because that's what they say. Well, I'm a pastor. I'm called to be a pastor. That's the gift God has given me. Well, if we're going here according to 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, you're not even listed here. The person doing miracles is ahead of you, and they're listed. So make sure you have an apostle at your church, not a bishop, not a man who dresses up like mother and we call father. Make sure you have an apostle. Make sure you have a prophet. Make sure you have a teacher. And then you better make sure you got someone doing miracles and praying for healing. Are you listening? I (laughs) mean, I just get happy when I preach like this. I want to send this to all my friends. Amen? I want to just send this message to them because it's so obvious to me. Going back to those early discussions, oh, we are the apostolic faith, seeing the traditions go back to the fathers of our faith. Man, where's your apostle then? Where's your prophet? When I come to your church, where's the one who works miracles? And then they make fun of us. I'm telling you, even the Baptists, well, we're pastors here. We're all pastors. The ones in charge are pastors, and we don't believe in women pastors. That's a whole nother thing, you know. But they put this pastor John MacArthur up there to tell you how spiritual gifts don't exist anymore. Pastor, you're not even listed here. <laughs> Your gift is not even listed here. So before we hear from you, we should see the one doing miracles. Oh, come on, does anybody else want to get excited about this? Oh, man, that's, that's what is that not what we're doing in our worship time? When someone comes up here and is transitioning, what are they supposed to be? The one working in miracles and healing. That's where we make that time in our service. I've, I've by God's grace, have trained each one of these pastor leaders to do these other things because if they're not doing those other things, they're not making it to the list. I mean, we give Tina permission in our meetings. We say, Tina, hear from Jesus and let's see some miracles, let's see some healings, go out on a limb, R-I-S-K, let's see some faith, right? And don't you sense God moving during that time? Because what you're seeing is someone working in miracles, working in gifts. And we believe that's why when we do the altar work here, elders and deacons have the accessibility to these gifts. So he listed. Look, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's teachers, and maybe they'll say, well, I'm a teacher. I'm not a pastor. Okay, well, then at least you better get your miracle worker right there. Then, Amen? If they want to try to slip in and say they're teacher. But they don't call themselves teachers, do they? They go by that title, pastor. They love that title, and yet they, they don't give any honor to the next ones that come. And, and once again, we, we learned about this before in one of the services. I'm so lost in how many messages I've been preaching, what service I've been preaching. But were you in one of the services where I was talking about calling a man father? Has anybody heard that one here? Okay, some of you heard it. Well, they say, well, well, you know, we're not supposed to call a man father, but then they want to be called pastor, right? Well, they get that here from the ministry gifts. Okay, well, if you're going to call somebody teacher, you better call somebody miracle worker. You do get the point how silly this becomes because they think they're so sanctified. We don't call nobody miracle worker. We don't call anybody teach, uh, you know, worker of healings here. That's all back then. No, you're supposed to, If you're going to still be calling somebody a teacher, you better still be calling somebody an apostle, calling somebody a prophet, say, this is the one who works miracles. But then, you know, there's a flip side. Somebody say there's a spooky side. Then you meet somebody with their business card that has every single possible title and gift lifted there. Apostle, prophet, teacher, miracle worker, healer, guidance counselor, Ph.D., reverend, bishop. You get what I'm saying? And then you're just like, oh, dear Lord, is there any humility left in you, sir? have you lost every gift it's your goal to lose every gift you see on this earth before you get to heaven because you know the bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing and so i mean are you are you purposely trying to empty heaven of all of your rewards because you want them here on earth help us god But watch this. Just watch how it goes. There's gifts of healing. And notice, no gender requirement here because they always want to bring up gender requirements in Ephesians and Corinthians when he's dealing with unruly women. I get it. But where is the gender requirement here? And he says of helping because don't we believe women can help? Well, if women can help, women can have gifts of miracles, right? Of guidance. Can't women be counselors? Well, they can also be apostles. And we do see them in the Scripture as as apostles. And of different kinds of tongues. Now this is what. Sometimes people get confused as, and so I'll just explain it simply. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts? Now, I want everybody to get this right here. If your interpretation of of this question, these questions that are being asked, do all do this, do all do this, do all this, if your interpretation is no one can uh, have all of the access to these or only a certain few will do a certain few of these things. If that's your interpretation, then why in the world does it say eagerly desire gifts? Is everybody tracking with me? The, the interpretation of these questions cannot be, well, now just wait for one gift to come hit you on the head, and then you'll know you have it. It cannot be that, because it literally says for you to do something, and that's eagerly desire gifts. How many see that's also there? And they'll say, yes, it's about love, but if you keep going, it says eagerly devi- follow love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially to what? Prophesy. Now, Listen. If you interpret this as we're not going to prophesy or you're not going to have the chance to prophesy, then what are you supposed to, why are you supposed to eagerly desire prophecy then? So how do I see this uh, list of questions, are all this or all that, not all at the same time? Am I a prophet, a teacher, an apostle speaking in tongues, interpreting all at the same time? No, I am what God has called me to be in that moment. There are times when I operate as a prophet. There are times when I operate as an apostle. There are certain things that remain on me as a gift and continue to remain while others come and go. I don't always give my own interpretation to my own tongue. Are you guys tracking with me? And so what it's going to teach is the way of the body complementing each other. Uh, But it doesn't say that you don't have access to these things. It already told us that the manifestation is given to each one. So in a church like this, can we all be apostles? Technically we can, but do we need a church full of apostles? No, in a a technical sense, can we all be prophets? Yes, we're in each one, but do we need a church where everyone is a prophet in that sense? No, but we can all have our own gifts at the times the Lord gives it to us, and you'll know as you go through your life in journals or in your own personal record keeping that there will be times when God does these different things in your life. But how many are going to still eagerly desire them amen can I hear an amen from everybody amen Amen. so look at these gifts that come from our triune God father son and spirit or spirit son and father are there any gifts here that you are excluded from are there any gifts that your gender has excluded you from is there any gifts here that your age has excluded you from no now how does it work in the church there's an order There's an order through elders and deacons being appointed as the leadership to make sure that this is happening with sound doctrine and decency and in order. In other words, if someone says they have a gift, and let's say the gift actually comes to pass, like a gift of healing, and someone gets healed, and now they teach a false doctrine, are we supposed to follow them? No, and the Bible teaches us and warns us of false signs and wonders. How many remember that in Jesus' warning in the end times? There will be false signs and wonders. And then there will be even people that will say, we've done all of this in your name, these kinds of signs and wonders, but he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. So there can be false signs and wonders coming from other religions, and there can be false signs and wonders coming from people claiming the name of Christ but not living like Christ so i don't have time to get into it today but we call this the anointing and the appointing everybody say anointing and appointing and just to give you a little taste of it let's go here go to 1st timothy chapter 3 we believe these are the offices those are the gifts there are multiple gifts in the church but there are only two offices in the church. And we get this from the King James. So let's put it here. Uh, thank you, my brother. Let's do, that was my fault. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And then I'll show you in the King James why we, uh, if you could type it in there. Thank you again. I'll show you why we consider this an office. It comes from the King James. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, if I didn't say that. Thank you. And you'll be able to see our differences with the gifts and the office. Okay? So look right here in the King James where it says, this is a true saying, if a man desires the what? Office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, notice here in the NIV, it's the word overseer. The word bishop and overseer are synonymous. They are the same kind of word. Over time, they made a bishop a different uh, office to make three. There are bishops, then elders, then deacons. But technically speaking, a bishop is an elder is an overseer. Is everybody tracking with me? So there aren't three offices. There's only two offices. Now, do I believe in a hierarchy of bishops or of elders? Yes, there can be a senior elder like how I function in this church, and we see that throughout the times of the Bible. There seems to be a senior elder, a first among uh, equals, but this does not create a third position. Now, going back to the NIV, just for the, the easier read here, here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires To be an overseer desires a noble task. This is the only place in the Bible we are now given the job description of leadership in the church. There are no job descriptions for pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists. You cannot find anywhere in the Bible where it says, if you want to be an evangelist, this is what you must do. If you want to be a teacher, this is what you must do. So now, how do we coincide the gifts with the offices? We say that God anoints. but then through the Holy Spirit, man appoints. Does everybody get the distinction there? So the man appointing in the local church, these two offices give permission and a stability and a frame of reference and a safeguard to the gifts of the Spirit. So there are not rogue prophets out there, rogue apostles, rogue teachers, etc., that in the offices of the church, elder, overseer, who we see here, and then the second one being listed, in the same way deacons, everybody saying the same way? So this phrase right here, in the same way, gives us this statement applying to them. So in the same way, whoever aspires to be in the office of a deacon, because it literally just said in the same way, he's not repeating himself. And then he says, in the same way, the women. Everybody say the women. So at the early church, women were already being allowed to be deacons and have authority like Phoebe, and they were also starting to be elders just among themselves. As we see this here when he says teach the older women, To teach the younger women, that same word there is elder, if I can find it here. Um, Just somebody look it up for me, brother. Which one? Verse 20. Oh, thank you. Let's see. But the elders. No, that's not for the women. Just someone look up uh, older women teaching young women. But thank you. That is the word elder right there. Titus. Titus? Yeah, that's the one I always get confused with. Titus what? Titus chapter 1 or chapter 2? I think it's chapter 2. Go to Titus chapter 2 and I have a whole discussion that I do with women in the ministry but there was a progression of women in the ministry, just like there was with slaves being free from masters. So he tells them in the context through incrementalism, follow your, your master, and the masters be good masters. He doesn't dissolve the slave master relationship, but he's making incremental steps. And when he can dissolve it, he does, like with Philemon. And the same thing is with women in leadership. Jesus chose them to be the first preachers of the resurrection. I may believe that, and then he says they can be deacons and deacon. You guys have to understand this deacon in the early church was the highest position these apostles would give outside of elder, and they had quite a bit of authority. And I believe Phoebe being the deacon over Rome as she is sent there, she is commended by Paul, is a powerful statement. Now listen here where it says to the older women, if you look here, presbyteros. If you can't read Greek, this is what it is, presbyteros. Everybody see this Greek word right here? That is the same exact word that we see applied when we hear about the elders right here. Let's see if we can click on this. Let's see here. There it is. Everybody see the same Greek word? Does it look the same to you? Did this Greek words just have different endings, and so women began to have authority over each other, and then eventually we believe that they began to plant churches as I've showed you in second John. Let me just encourage women in the ministry. Can I encourage women in ministry? Put in second John chapter one because we don't see any gender distinction in these gifts. sometimes there are gender distinctions in offices, and the same thing would be true if we're going to the Middle East and it's going to hinder women it's going to hinder the church growing. we would say here. In this context, we may not ordain women elders because that may be a hindrance to them. Does everybody get that? The same may be true if I'm in North Korea. I'm not going to say to everybody, let's start a revolution and kill the dictator. I may say, still obey the military. Does everybody get that as well? So there's incrementalism happening there. But here is uh, John writing uh, an epistle. He says, "The the elder to the lady chosen by God and her children. And these are the spiritual children that are walking in the truth. And what people have tried to do to get away from this is they've tried to say, well, that's just symbology for the church. There's a female uh, symbology there. It's the church he's writing to, not actually a woman. If that was a man, nobody would argue with it. But since it's a woman, now we've got to find a symbology. The, symb- the symbology, I'm just going to go with that, the symbolic meaning. Go to Romans chapter 16. But these are the kinds of things that, are, that we see that are without argument. In Romans chapter 16, we see that Andrew Nicus and Junia, husband and wife, fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me are outstanding among who? The apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. And so some people have tried to say, well, uh, Junia is really a man. Junius. they tried to change it. That's wrong. That's been proven false. It's a woman's name. It's a husband and wife team. And then others have tried to say, well, outstanding among the apostles, this just means that the apostles like them. No, John of Christendom, a church father, said, no, they themselves were apostles. Can I hear an amen to that? Would you come forward with me, uh, Vinny, as we get ready to close out? How many want to be spiritual? Be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Here's some uh, descriptions of these gifts as I encourage you to be used in them. How many of you are happy today a pastor wants you to be used in the gifts of the Spirit? Male and female, young and old, hallelujah. How many of you are glad I'm not the only one laying hands on people today? You see, this is a church that empowers you. And once again, if we did it wrong, let's just say we did it wrong and the Baptists were right or somebody was right. Don't you think Jesus would say, at least you tried? I mean, at least you tried to give women something to do in the church other than just have their little Bible studies and ask each other, how do you feel about this? That's why sometimes I I don't understand, because I know that there's some liberalism going on with women becoming preachers, and people get upset about that, and they think women are just going to talk about their feelings. But I want to encourage any of those pastors who think that way, talk to the women of God in here. They're not having feeling-based Bible studies. Amen? They're not not having emotionally-based Bible studies. I've even said that to my wife, man. You listen to a lot of these famous preachers, man. They just come up and storytell the whole time. You listen to Lauren. You listen to my wife. You listen to some of these female preachers. It's word upon word upon word. Amen. You follow out these women preachers as they're doing evangelism, man. They're speaking the word to men to see them be born again and saved. Praise God. Here they are in closing. The gift of the message of wisdom. To have a message about the future. Oftentimes we see the message of wisdom the message of knowledge and prophecy all brought together in one foul swoop—not uh, foul swoop, but one one whole swoop rather—we see that they're all brought together in the vocalization of what God is doing. And just to summarize it real quick: tongues and interpretation of tongues usually comes with a meaning. It's not like there's a tongue and then there's an interpretation and then it's just something non-supernatural. God's not going to do it that way. How many understand that? There's the tongue and then there's the interpretation of tongues. There's a 9.99 deal at the buffet today, just letting everyone know. How many know that's not how it, the gift works? Or a tongue interpretation of tongues, just want to let everybody know the weather's going to be 77, somewhat cloudy today. No, what, what does a tongue interpretation come out to be? a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a prophecy, right? And when someone generally is prophesying, it's for their encouragement, as we'll see in just a moment. When they're prophesying, it's a word of encouragement, but it's normally attached to word of wisdom or word of knowledge. So just kind of think about that as I go through the rest of the gifts. And I wish I had more time. There's ways of breaking these down, but I just want to share them to you quickly. So a message of wisdom, would be about the future. This is foretelling. This is the New Testament gift of foretelling. So when we're giving times for spiritual gifts here, you guys who have a word can share it and it can foretell what's going to happen. Agabus did this in the book of Acts chapter 11, 28. The gift of knowledge. This is something that God wants to speak so that we know He knows and that he wants us to do something about it. Think about John chapter 4, verse 18, with the woman at the well. How many know Jesus knew some stuff about her life? But he wanted her to do something about it. All of these can be used during our time of gifts, by the way. That's what we do in our service. We get that from 1 Corinthians 14. So God, what do you know? that I need to know that's how you would ask the Lord to speak to you during that time because let me just pause right here during that time do do you guys know what to do (laughs) maybe this is a good time to help remind you of what to do we prefer the elders and deacons to take the lead but we love it when you're a holy Christian living right doing this as well so here's what we encourage our elders and deacons to do and we encourage you ask the Lord is there anything he wants to share with others is there any prayer that you should pray for others healing discerning of spirits deliverance Is there something that God is letting you know and to speak it out? Now, I've heard all kinds of words come out in this church that have surprised and shocked many people, but I have not yet heard a false word in this church. I'm not saying there won't be one in second service, but I have heard some bizarre words, but they have come out to be true. One of them that was the most bizarre was about me. There was a young lady, and I always tell this story just to give people encouragement because I'm not against it either. If you're wrong, we'll let you know you're wrong. It will look weird, and you might be a little embarrassed, but we'll tell you you're wrong. But there was a young lady in our church that during that time of the spiritual gifts started shouting out, Joe, don't go. Joe, don't go. And she just kept going on and on. Like, three to four to five, six, seven times, Joe, don't go. You, you almost felt like, like something had just got locked in her brain and she needed to tell everybody, Joe, don't go. Well, as bizarre as that sounded to everybody else, guess what I was contemplating? To go. <laughs> I was contemplating leaving the church. I was contemplating going to seminary outside of Chicago and handing the church over to someone else. Now, I believe in most of those times when God gives words about people publicly, he's already dealt with it privately, but they're still wrestling with it or maybe being a little bit stubborn and God needs to humble them and encourage them a little bit. So I had already heard from the Lord, my wife and spiritual mentors. It wasn't for me to go, but God just wanted to make sure that I understood. But how may I know that would be bizarre at first to hear, Joe, don't go. Oh, excuse me, there was one false word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me. Someone prophesied that Trump would be president and then they had to repent for that. So be, be careful to not get carried away in your emotions. Well, he's still president, he's still president. That's not makeup stuff now, okay? Okay, but there was somebody that prophesied that and they repented for that. So message of wisdom, message of knowledge, gift of faith, this can happen in the natural world where you're going to do something like walk on water, split a red sea, see something miraculous, or it could also happen in your dreams and visions to have faith to take on things in life that no one else can see. Faith, somebody say faith. Thank you. Gifts of healing, notice plural, multiple gifts coming to heal, to restore mind, body, and soul. We see that in the Bible. Miraculous power, something that is unique, to the power of God, where everybody stands back and goes, "Man, God did something in that place." Shaking of a building in the Bible, cloud of uh, cloud by day, fire by night. Wow, isn't that amazing? I would like to see that. I want to see more miraculous power. I want to see something happen here, like a flame come over the building. Amen gift of prophecy, encouraging one another with the words of God, and I grew up in a time where prophecy had to come with King James' language, thus saith the Lord. Do you know why that was? See, sometimes people, you know, they tease and I tease sometimes, but also people don't understand the reason. Why do you think at that time, let's say 20 years ago onward uh, in the past, why is it you think that the people prophesying spoke in King James' language? Because that was the Bible they were reading. That's how they spoke. So when they wanted to honor God and speak, they spoke in King James. How many know there's still a beauty to King James? How many know in our teasing of the these and thous, we should also honor what God did through that English language? Amen. Make sure that you don't become, and I'll just pause right here. Make sure you don't become a mocker. And I am very leery of this. Rev Kev is one of them, and and, uh, John Chris, so the the white Anglo and then the African American, both at times, hear me on this, I'm not saying not to listen to them. Well, John Chris had some nasty things in his life, so he needed to repent. So maybe don't listen to him now. I don't know if he's been restored. But both this uh, Anglo and African American, both I think at different times, online, YouTube, memes, whatever you want to call it, came close to mocking the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Even in what we would consider the black church and different things about catching the Holy Ghost and things like that, I don't take that lightly. I enjoy uh, it giving examples of that so that we can all understand, you know. But if I ever cross the line of mocking, please talk to me as well because it's not my heart to mock those things. I'm thankful for people who caught the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for people who speak in tongues. Maybe they don't understand order yet, but it's probably because the pastor and church hasn't set the order from the elders and deacons. And I don't want to leave out my Hispanic friends either. I know many of you coming from traditional Pentecostal churches, you know it's easy to tease the three-hour service is. is going to catch the holy ghost and then she's going to dance across here and then the flag ministering an inspirational dance and i get it right well all of our cultures have things we can laugh about but be very careful that you're not mocking the holy spirit amen the distinguishing between spirits knowing what spirit is in a person first of all is it their spirit or an evil spirit and then after we're dealing with evil spirits what kind of evil spirit Tongues and interpretation of tongues. I explain here the four reasons in our notes why I believe the tongues and interpretation of tongues is different than your prayer language. We can talk about that later. But this should be commonplace to all of us baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, is this tongue not just now for you, but is it for them? and then you can even speak that same tongue to people, or God may give you a different tongue. Sometimes there's debate among the Pentecostals. Is now the message of tongues going to sound different than my prayer of tongues? I don't necessarily think so. I think that tongues is a mystery and can be used either way. And one of the ways I look at this now is through data. When you look at code, the complexity of code in these few lines can be just one syllable different, one line different, and change the entire code. In our language, it could be the same way. You could be sounding the same of your normal tongue, but one syllable different could be now changing how that code works. Can I hear an amen for spiritual gifts? I want this church to be spiritual, not spooky. I want to make sure as a pastor that I have done my job to encourage you to be using these gifts, that you would go out and change the world for Jesus. Can I hear an amen if you want to do it? Let's go. Come on, would you stand up? Bless the Lord today. Thank you, band and altar workers, would you come? The tradition of laying on of hands is also in the Scripture for imparting spiritual gifts. So let's take, for example, the uh, question that we asked before. Are gifts given to you at birth and accessed by the uh, Holy Spirit or evil spirits, or are spirits uh, 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 gifts given by laying on of hands? So listen, don't be distracted. Everybody, listen to me. There is a discussion among Pentecostals: are gifts given at birth? You have it at birth, like a talent, and it's either accessed accessed by the devil or God. That is one belief, or the other is that you're given gifts by the laying on of hands, by the baptism of the Spirit. What do you think I believe it is? Both. Yes. I believe there are gifts of the Spirit, since we're spiritual in nature, given like talents. That's why I believe we see it in the world. I kind of lean more towards that way. But I have also seen and experienced in my own life that new gifts have been given by the laying on of hands. So I don't think it's either or. So why do I say that? Because I want each one of you who either have gifts and want to be used in them more or desire gifts and wish for hands to be laid on you for that gift to come to this altar call. And we'll end uh, end first by starting second. Is that okay? Because I want us... have an attitude of prayer as people are coming in because I don't want to end this service without you receiving that. And second service folks, Nancy and others, you guys can start helping them come in. If they want spiritual gifts, because I have no idea what second service message is going to be, make sure that they know they can receive prayer for this. Let's not be in a hurry is what I'm trying to say. Is it okay if we get a little bit tied up in this place? If you're going to receive a spiritual gift, wouldn't it be worth it though? Come on somebody. Father, I thank you for this wonderful day. And I thank you that we learned about gifts. And as we get ready to dismiss, I pray that all those who hunger and thirst for gifts of the Spirit to be hungry today and not let their hunger be quenched by this world and by the distractions of this world. Let their hunger for spiritual gifts only be quenched by your Spirit. A few moments before we go. If you don't know Jesus yet, be born again. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. Repent of your sins. And those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in tongues as I'm praying for these new believers. And new believers, you can, as you're asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you can ask him to fill you with spiritual gifts. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. And as we do, whoever wants to receive gifts today, make sure you don't leave out here without praying. And having hands laid on you, especially if you want to see new gifts manifest in your life. Just a few moments, we'll dismiss. But right now, come on, search your heart. Are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? If you are saved, are you sanctified, living holy? Those who are saved, sanctified. Are you filled with the Spirit? Are you operating in the gifts? Are you hungry for the gifts? few moments, few moments. And then we're going to turn this into a prayer time as second service begins to come in and first, if you have to go, you have to go. We get it. But no one be in a hurry today. Gifts of the Spirit are here. The old timers used to say, tarry, tarry in the presence of the Lord. Some of you haven't yet spoken tongues, been baptized in the Spirit. Don't leave out of here until you do. God has so much more for all of us. Sister Melanie, can you join them down there as well as Lawrence? Because I have a feeling this altars are going to get full. Any elder and deacon that is not already doing something for the church, if you could come to these altars, come on. We're going to fill these altars up. We're going to be a spiritually empowered people. Few moments. Even now, if you need prayer, you can start to come. But we'll dismiss formally if that's going to make it easier for you as we start to pray and worship again. But I just want to right now pray over everyone right here. Father, raise up a priesthood of sons and daughters, spirit-filled, empowered to do the work of the ministry, not afraid to pray for the dead to be raised, Not not afraid to pray for the sick to be healed. In the name of Jesus, send us from this place filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. We're going to dismiss those out the side door who need to go. But second service, folks, you can start coming in. Those who want to receive prayer, I sense the anointing here. Come on, receive prayer. Second service, folks, we're receiving gifts of the Spirit. You know in this time we're treating our services more like conferences, unique messages. So if you're literally just walking in, and you want to receive gifts of the Spirit, just start to pray. Start to pray today. Use us, Lord, in greater ways than we've ever seen. Tongues and interpretation. Prophecy. Wisdom and knowledge. Miraculous powers. Young and old. Male and female. Name of Jesus. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray for these young children right now to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill their Spiritual gifts be released. More, Lord. in the name of Jesus God bless you guys fire of God thank you Lord second service come on into a spiritual baptism come on into a spiritual overflow Yes, yes Lord yes Lord do it we believe many want to see the gifts of healing come through their hands raise up your hands with me and say God anoint these hands to heal I pray for a healing ministry to come forth in this generation like we've never seen before even greater than the times of Jack Coe A.A. Allen, John G. Lake Oral Roberts I pray for healing gifts to come forth greater than we've ever seen with Amy Simple McPherson. Thank you, Jesus. Catherine Kuhlman. Oh, Lord, may it not die out in our generation. We repent for the kookiness and the weirdness of healing ministries, but we pray for the genuine. We pray for the genuine healing ministry of the Spirit sent your word and it healed diseases. By your stripes we are healed. I rebuke COVID, the Delta variant. I pray for the healing ministers of the church to see this disease, this illness cast out in Jesus' name. How many want to prophesy How many want to prophesy words of wisdom and knowledge, tongues being interpreted? God, raise up those of us to prophesy here. Raise us up to speak your words, to tap into heaven, to be overflowing with your inspiration. Inspire us, oh God. Not to write scripture. But to enumerate the scripture, to to explain the scripture, oh, God, to apply the scripture in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, baptize us fresh and anew. Fill us, fill us, fill us. Second service, folks, we're just praying for the Holy Spirit to move and do great things. We want to see the outpouring on this generation. We don't want to see it stop. In the first service, we spoke about spiritual gifts coming on male and female, old and young. And if you want to be used in spiritual gifts, just raise up your hands. Ask the Lord to fill you. If you're not already baptized in the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, ask Him to do it. And if you are, begin to ask for the other gifts. Thank you, Lord. We're believing for more. You don't want to leave a church here powerless. You don't want a church to be here powerless. There are spiritual forces against us, O oh God, and we need your Holy Spirit to give us power. Empower our children. Empower our young people. Empower our men and our women more than enough. There's more than enough for all of us today. There's more than enough for all of us to be filled. Thank you, Lord. A few moments right now before we get into second service. This is not church as usual. This is not church as usual. We're believing God for the gifts. We're believing God for supernatural power. If it's in the Bible, we want to see it in our generation. We want to see it in our generation. Signs and wonders. Miracles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyone else want prayer for the gifts of the Spirit? It doesn't matter if you're in second service, a visitor, or just walked in. Come on up. We'll pray for you. Are you hungry? The Bible says he won't give a snake if you ask for bread. He said if a parent knows how to give bread when we ask for it, how much more so will he give us the Holy Spirit when we ask him for his power? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. through whatever's holding it back how many believe the Holy Spirit can come through whatever's holding him back today in your life I believe the Holy Spirit can break through whatever's been holding you back whatever